Chapter Three of Our Little Hindu Cousin. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Our Little Hindu Cousin by Blanche McManus. Chapter Three The Children's Holiday. Cola, art thou there? said little Nell the next morning, peeping in between the mats of the veranda. Now lived in a pretty pink house next to Cola's, and their gardens joined, so he and the two cousins were great playmates. Yes, but I'm busy, said Cola without looking around. The barber had come to shave his father, and Cola had begged to be allowed to hold for his father the little looking glass which the barber had brought with him as he reclined on a rug while the barber shaved him. The barber made his rounds from house to house each day, carrying the tools of his trade with him, and he not only shaved his patrons' faces, but their heads as well. "'I only wanted to tell thee that there is a man just outside the gate with a basket,' replied Now, in a tantalizing way. "'But if thou must help the barber—' "'There are plenty of men in the street with baskets,' returned Kola, but he was beginning to be interested. "'But this man carries a flute,' answered his little friend, smiling. "'Oh, it is the snake-charmer!' cried Kola, jumping up. "'I see thou art tired of playing barber. "'Give me the mirror, and thou mayst run away,' said his father. "'Out in the street the boys found the man dressed all in bright pink, "'with a basket on his arm. "'He had seated himself down in the shade of a tree, "'and a crowd of children had gathered around him. "'Presently he began to whistle on a little pipe or flute. "'Look,' whispered now as the snake's head pushed up the lid of the basket and crept slowly out. Then another and another followed, until several snakes were crawling and wriggling around in the dust, all keeping time to the music of the flute. Soon the snakes began to climb and crawl all over the man, winding themselves around his neck and arms to the great delight of the children. Finally, one of the snakes wound itself around the man's neck and one around each arm, after which the man piped them back into the basket. Then he spread the handkerchief on the ground, which was a sign for the children to pay for the show. This was enough to send most of the children flying away, for, though they had enjoyed the performance, many of them were not willing to pay for it. Both Cola and Now, however, threw some cowrie shells on the handkerchief before they left. "'May good luck attend thee, my little masters,' said the snake-charmer, with a deep salaam. Then he picked up his basket again, and went piping down the street to find another audience. "'Thou hast on thy yellow dress. Hast thou been to the temple?' asked Now, as he and Kola came back into the garden. "'No, I wait for Mahala. Where can he be?' said Kola, running back into the courtyard. Mahala was there, busily washing out the inkstand which he always carried to school, while Shriya hung out one of the Zenana windows, talking to him. "'I cleaned my inkstand yesterday, O tardy one!' exclaimed Kola. "'Mine too is ready,' said Mahala, giving it a final polish as he spoke. "'Now we will be off.' "'Today was the great holiday for the children. "'It was the festival of Sarasvati, the Hindu goddess of learning, "'who is supposed to be the especial guardian of children. "'The boys were going to the temple to lay their inkstands "'before the queer image of the goddess of learning,' as was the custom on this holiday festival. "'Thou art not keeping the holiday,' 
called out now, looking up at Shreya. No, indeed, answered the little girl, shaking her head. I do not want to be a widow some day, and the grandmother says this is what would happen if I should read books and learn to write while I'm little. The boys laughed, and then ran out to join the crowd of little boys who were making their way toward the temples, all dressed in bright yellow in honor of the day, some carrying their inkstands stuck in their belts, others swinging them in their hands. What shall we do to amuse ourselves? asked Mahala, after they had dutifully laid their inkstands before the queer image of Sarasvati. I know, answered Kola. We will find the potter and beg a bit of clay from him. It will be fun to make some toys for ourselves. The boys turned down a street, and there, under a big tree on the river bank, the potter was at work with piles of damp clay around him. As usual, a lot of children were gathered about him. They loved to watch him take the clay and put it on a revolving wooden wheel before him and mould dishes and jugs and bowls of all sorts and shapes each neighbourhood has a potter whose business it is to make the ware for that village and he does a good trade for it is the custom among many of the people to throw away their dishes after each meal this of course means that they must have new ones all the time eh well thou wouldst have clay for thy toys said the grey-bearded old potter when the boys explained what they wanted here it is then he said good-naturedly and gave them each a lump of the wet clay carrying their treasure carefully the boys hurried back to kola's garden shriya was there in a shady nook swinging kola's baby brother gently as he lay in his cradle his cradle was a kind of little hammock swung between two bamboo supports and as shriya swayed it gently backward and forward she was singing here is a handful of white rice, here is a bit of sweet, here is a tamarind ripe and nice, a curry for thee and me. The little one is fretful, he is not well, and it may be that he has a fever, the mother fears, said Shreya, stopping her song as the boys came up. I will make him a horse to play with, and Kola seated himself and began to mould the clay as he had seen the old potter do. I shall make a buffalo like the sacred one that stole the sweets yesterday, said now falling to work tush this only sticks to my fingers exclaimed mahala impatiently after a few minutes work give it to me and let me try said shriya eagerly thou canst take it and good riddance too and mahala held out a pair of dirty hands there cried kola here is thy horse little one but wait i must put a saddle on him he said as the baby crowed and put out his hands a horse indeed laughed mahala it looks as much like a horse as now's buffalo i couldn't make the horns stick on mine grumbled now and thou hast forgotten thy buffalo's tail too kola laughed heartily but look he continued shriya's are the best of all shriya's nimble little fingers had indeed made the two little dolls which she had moulded look very lifelike i shall put a bit of real cloth on their heads for veils she said we will put them here in the sun to dry said kola admiring his horse as he held it up ah and if we leave them here perhaps sir banas will come to the garden to-night and make them all alive whispered shriya mysteriously the children believed that there was a strange being who came during the night and made their dolls walk and talk as if they were alive later on all the family went to the big square nearby where games were going on and everybody took a ride on the big merry-go-round, which was very much like the ones we have. Shreya's father put her up into one of the springing seats, all red and gold, and took his seat in another, 
for the grown people were as fond as riding in a merry-go-round as the children. The boys were already holding on tight, each in one of the funny little swings, and away they went, the long ends of their turbans flying behind them, until they were too dizzy to see. But this is the fun of the merry-go-round the world over. Then they went home merrily in the warm, dusky twilight, very happy, with their hands and mouths sticky with sweetmeats. One evening not long after this, as Kola and Mahala came home from school, Shriya met them at the garden gate with a very solemn face. "'See,' she whispered to Kola, "'the priest from the temple sits there talking with thy father. He says the only way to make thy little brother well is to take him to Benares, that he may be bathed in the holy river.' All the family were gathered under the big tamarisk tree that stood in the centre of the garden. It was their custom to spread mats on the thick pavement under the tree, and sit there after the evening meal, the men smoking their big hookahs, while the women, with their faces tightly wrapped in long veils, sat a little back of them, gossiping together. As the children slipped into their places, everybody was earnestly watching the old Brahmin priest who sat there, too, looking very fine in his pink turban and red brocaded silk gown, and also looking very wise as he drew various sorts of curious lines in the dust about him. When he had finished, he looked up and said, It is indeed the will of the gods that the little one be taken to the sacred city. The Ganges is the most important river in India, and Hindus know it as the sacred river. They think that their sins will be washed away, and that they will be cured of all illness if they will but bathe in its waters and drink of them. It is well said, answered Haraja Chunjeri, after a long pause. We will make the pilgrimage and bathe in the waters of the holy river, Thus will the child be made well, and we shall achieve merit. Kola's baby brother had not been well for some weeks. His mother and grandmother had given him many bitter drinks made from various healing herbs, until he cried and would take no more of the nasty things, just as children in our country cry over their medicine. His mother even dressed him in girls' clothes, and then charms were brought from the temple written on pieces of paper, and Lala, the baby's mother, soaked the ink off the bits of paper in water which she gave the baby to drink even this did not make him fat and rosy so it was this evening that they came to decide to make the pilgrimage but first went on the wise old priest there must be made an offering of money and a white calf to the gods of the temple this would ensure their making this pilgrimage safely the brahmins are very cunning however for they live within the temple and get the benefits of the offerings which are sent there "'Ah, truly, the white calf is not forgotten,' muttered the old grandmother behind her veil, but loud enough to be heard. She liked to doctor her grandchildren herself, and was rather jealous of the supposed effects of the Brahmin's paper charms. She and the priest had many hot words as to which of the remedies was the best. "'Peace,' said her son. "'It is right to obey the gods.' "'Shall we go in the fire-wagons, father?' whispered Kola. He thought the fire-wagons, as he called the railway trains, were the most wonderful and terrible things in the world. "'I like not this flying over the ground with a great noise,' answered his father, "'but it will take us quickly and at less cost than if we travelled by road.' "'Indeed, I shall not ride in those devil-wagons,' cried the grandmother, "'nor shall the son of my son,' meaning her grandson. "'Do you wish him to die before he can bathe in the holy river?' "'In my young days there were none of these fire-spitting things "'rushing all over the country,' she continued, "'throwing back her veil in her excitement. 
People were content to ride in their wagons and palanquins. Haraja Chumjeri was easy going, and the mother cared only to start as soon as might be, so the old lady had her own way, and it was settled that they should travel in the big, slow-moving ox-wagon, while she should be carried on her own special palanquin. End of chapter 3